One of the fastest growing areas of philanthropy are donor advised funds managed by private wealth companies. How can you raise money from these donor advised funds? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and this is the first day from the fundraising school. I'm joined today by Mary Jovanovich. Mary leads the donor advised fund effort for Schwab Charitable in the eastern half of the United States. So, Mary, thanks so much for being with us. You have seen a huge growth in donor advised funds, especially after the new federal tax laws came in place at the end of 2017. What have you seen? That's correct. Thank you, Bill, for having yeah. me here today. Um, I'm really proud to be here. 2017 was a tremendous year for giving, especially after tax reform. I can tell you my own personal experience at Schwab Charitable. Um, from January, excuse me, from July until December, we had opened up over 10,000 accounts. Mm -hmm. 7,000 of those accounts came in December because wow. of tax reform and the pending changes. So we were very, very busy, very long nights. Um, in some cases, I was actually working from 7 a.m. until 2.30 in the morning oh to get some things done for our donors, but it was well worth it. And of course, fundraisers want to know why. Why are people who are philanthropically active starting these donor advised funds in the for-profit sector? I think the main reason is because of the affordability. It only requires $5,000 at Schwab to open up the account. Our grant minimum is $50. So it enables you, the donor, to be very effective and efficient with your giving. You can do all of your giving in one account. You no longer have to keep those records. We keep it all online for you. So it's tax smart, it's efficient, and it's very affordable. So the donor makes one gift or several gifts into a donor advised fund and builds up a sum. But this is so different than if I'm sitting down in my house and writing lots of checks to people. What, what do your uh, customers, clients tell you in terms of how it helps them with their charitable giving to do so through a DAF? Well, one of the things that we saw as a result of the tax reform is something that um, some organizations refer to as bunching mm -hmm. or charitable front-loading. And what that enables a person to do, let's say, for example, they know that they always give $2,000 annually. What they were able to do prior to, before the tax reform, or after the tax reform, I should state, um, is they've determined that for the next 10 years, they're going to be giving that $2,000. So now what they did is in 2017, while the tax rates were higher, they put in $20,000 and now that gives them the ability to take the deduction in this year, 2017's tax year. But now they have the ability to give that money out over time. When, where, and how much is based on their schedule and not an IRS schedule of December 31st anymore. And that's a great example for somebody if they had $20,000. Mm -hmm. I also understand the front loading or the bunching is involved. Let's say uh, my family and I give eight dollars to $10,000 a year, that I might set that aside in a savings account every year for three years, mm -hmm. get over that $25,000 itemization limit, and now make one big donation exactly. into my DAF, get the tax write-off, and then I can just make my gifts from the DAF moving forward. Are, are we starting to see that in the marketplace? Yes. And another um, opportunity is, let's say, for example, you come into a large inheritance or you sell a business. That's typically not happening every single year in your life. So one of the benefits, again, is in the tax year you need the deduction, you're going to be able to take that deduction when you need it the most and, again, give out based on your schedule. So there's convenience for the donor. There's low cost for the donor. Uh, it can help them with their charitable giving, facilitate that. There are some tax reasons, some new tax reasons, why especially some of our smaller and moderate-sized donors might be using these national DAFs uh, amongst private wealth managers. What about in terms of the grants going out and the gifts going out? Because you, know, you and I have talked about this before. Fundraisers are really concerned that these DAFs have become a parking lot, that the money just sits there. I have my tax advantage, really no incentive to have the dollars go out the door, but you're seeing something very different in reality. 
So I can just give you some recent statistics that we announced yesterday on our website. Um, our charitable granting, our donors, we saw a 35% increase in more donations going out in mm -hmm. 2017 than we did in 2016. Um, again, I can tell you that in 2016, we took in $3 billion in new okay. contributions, but our donors turned right back around and gave out $1.6 billion. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely not a parking lot. Um, our donors are very um, encouraged. To we encourage them to give, and they are very philanthropic with their giving. Do you have a policy on trying to get them to give? From what I understand, some of the hosts of these donor-advised funds are saying, hey, if we see the money sitting idle for a while, we're, we're going to tap you on the shoulder and remind you. Is that happening in Schwab, or do you just see that in the broader marketplace? Well, we do have a policy where if you haven't given any money in three years, we are going to reach out to you because we do want to encourage granting. And then, God forbid, something's happened to you and nobody's notified mm -hmm. us. Because remember, it is an irrevocable gift. The funds don't belong to you anymore. Something's happened to you. We will immediately enact your succession planning. So, Mary, what advice do you have for fundraisers? And we would be clear with our audience. Mary is philanthropically active herself. She serves on boards. She helps fundraise for those boards. She's very interested, obviously, in those nonprofits doing well in the philanthropic sector overall. You know, back in the day when I thought about a DAF at a community foundation, they have program officers who can meet with me. Uh, sometimes in the commercial sector, it feels like there's a wall for the fundraiser uh, to be able to access the potential for those gifts. What advice do you have for fundraisers? So two things. First and foremost, if you're not asking your donors to use donor advised fund accounts, or you're not asking if they have one, start asking that question because I can assure you that you're going to get more donations as a result. My second suggestion would actually be to go to daftdirect.org and download the widget. It's a free widget that you can put on your website to increase your donations. It's free to you. Technology support is provided by daftdirect.org. And then it will enable you to get 100% of a donation versus um, credit cards which charge merchant service fees. Those are my two suggestions. So as we do any donor research, and we look in at the fundraising school, we teach about you know finding out certainly about a person's demographics. We try to know about their giving history, their wealth, who their relationships are, things of that nature. It sounds like we also need to see if we can find out if these folks have a donor advised mm -hmm. fund. And, you know, Mary, we encourage fundraisers to just be very candid with prospective yeah. donors to, to learn about them. Is it out of bounds to ask a person, do you have a donor advised fund? I don't think so at all. I wouldn't be offended. I have one, and if you asked me, I would tell you yes. So. And so where do you see this now moving forward? When you say that you know you opened 7,000 of these funds in December alone, uh, it looks like the trend is starting to gain exponentially. Do you see this as a huge growth trend over the next several years in our sector? I hope so. Um, you know, Nobody really knows what's going to happen in 2018, especially now that we have this new tax reform mm -hmm. and how the standard deduction is going to play into things. So I think we'll know a lot more at the end of the year, um, and we're going into 2019 and we can do better predictions. One of the things that we've talked about is we think that what could occur are that people might start utilizing the standardized deduction, mm -hmm. but then go back to itemizing. So there could be a rotation that takes place, maybe three years of the deduction and then one year of itemization. So that's the potential that we think could happen. And while we have a couple of minutes left here, there's also some nitty gritty things here too. So uh, if I'm a fundraiser and a donor provides me with a generous gift through a donor advice fund, who gets the thank you letter? Oh, <laughs> right. Um, well, donors have the ability to one, remain anonymous. They have the ability to just give their name or they have the ability to give their name and an address. So I believe that if 
a name and an address is on there, by all means, go ahead and send them a thank you. Um, the one thing that you don't have to do is issue them a tax receipt, because that's already been taken care of by Schwab Charitable or their sponsoring organization. Um, if you don't have the address, and all of you have is the name, that donor's chosen not to provide that, so don't feel necessary to try to find that person. It's, it, they've made a choice not to give their information out. So unlike the foundation world, where, where we can go online and, and find out information about a foundation, you're not going to go find out about DAFs and then find the donors. You still need to do your donor recruitment, uh, building relationships with your donors, cultivating those relationships over time, and then finding out if that donor does have a donor advised fund. And uh, what we've also learned about these funds is it's rarely the only charitable vehicle that people utilize. They, they have their own dollars. They might just write a check, give cash, you know, give through a credit card. Some of them are still also utilizing community foundations. Some of them still have their own family foundations, and then they decide which gift comes from where. So it's just part of your donor research moving forward to keep in mind uh, this growing trend of donor advised funds, including in the for-profit sector. Of course, information like this is available in all of our courses from the Fundraising School, which you can find online at our website at Philanthropy iupui.edu. And we also have quarterly webinars uh, that are just $19.74, marking the year we were founded to bring information to you. We have these podcasts that are coming to you now. And of course, you can follow us on social media with Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to stay in touch with the resources that we have available to help you raise more money. I'm Bill Stajakevich, and you are now up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.